grab your Bibles. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 3. This morning, we're going to spend the first couple weeks of the year in the book of Joshua. Joshua is the account of Israel's transition from wandering in the desert to becoming a nation, crossing the Jordan into a whole new era of who they are as the people of God. You read in the Old Testament what God did in calling Abraham and then multiplying out his generations and then those descendants ending up in Egypt and eventually ending up in slavery for 400 years. And then you see Moses uh, being raised up to lead God's people out of that bondage. And almost as soon as they leave that bondage, uh, they find themselves in disobedience again. Remember, the Lord says, press on, let's head towards the promised land. It should have taken just a number of days, a little over a week and a half or so. They could have traveled right to the promised land, but in their disobedience and scouting out the land, they reacted in fear. And so the Lord said, fine, this generation is not going to enter the promised land. And so they wandered in the desert for 40 years until that entire generation could pass away. And even Moses had to pass away because of disobedience that took place in the wilderness. But now, by the time you pick up the book of Joshua, God's raised up Joshua as this young leader to uh, lead in place of Moses. And now this generation that has been raised in the desert, in the wandering, their parents have passed on. Now they're the new generation of adults leading Israel, the new group of children that the Lord has born for himself. And he says, I'm going to lead you into the land that I promised your fathers, the, the land they didn't want, but I'm leading you into those places now. So obey me. Obey me and follow me. And the Israelites at that moment have a lot in common with what we are at in our moments now. Because just like I said, the last two years for me have done really an amazing thing. It has alleviated me of my illusion of control. Because I would start out the new year saying things like this. Well, I know what's going to happen in January. And I know what my rhythms are going to be like in February. And I, then, you know, March, i got to start thinking about how do we execute Easter. And then once we get past Easter, then we're thinking about the summer and what that looks like. And then what, what's the church going to look like in the fall? What do we want to offer? And then, okay, now we're moving to the holidays. we got Christmas going on. The last two years have taught me, listen, all the rhythms that you think you mark your life by, they can go just like that. And go just like that. I talked to a couple families in our congregation. Uh, your Christmas was marked by COVID this year. Listen, my Christmas was marked by COVID last year. I know exactly what that feels like to be quarantined. There's, there's two weeks of Christmas, and uh, to see your family jumping on a trampoline outside and you're not doing anything, it's miserable. But the Lord has taught me in the midst of my lack of control, which I've never really had anyway, that He is absolutely in control. And what I found is a real peace and joy to say this. I don't know what's coming next. I don't know where I'm going. But I know the God who is going with me, who has been with me, is with me now and will be with me. And that's where the peace and security comes from. It does not come from knowing this vaccine is going to work, or if I can just wait for eight months, we're going to be clear of this, or the economy is going to come back in a year and a half, or this person is going to get elected. That's not where security comes from. If you're still seeking to find your security in that, I promise you, the Lord is not going to allow you to reach peace and comfort. He's not going to allow you to do that because He has better for you than that. 
He will keep disappointing you again and again and again until you realize that He is your security, He is your peace, He is your rest, and your circumstances do not dictate those things. He does. And as we know Him, then He pours out His blessing, His love, His purpose, His direction onto us. Listen, I don't know which way I'm headed right now as a pastor. I don't know which way I'm headed as a man. I don't know which we're headed as a family, but I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I believe that's true for us as a church. I wish I had a great plan of what 2022 is going to look like. I just praise God we got to have a Christmas Eve service, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I, I did. I was so excited to be back in here with you guys on Christmas Eve and actually be able to pull that off. I can't tell you how, how awesome it was just to be together. But listen, the Lord knows what he's doing. We have not been this way before. You haven't been this way before. Whatever rhythms you feel like you've had, listen, I promise you, you haven't been this way before. But God has, and he wants to lead us into that. And I think Joshua is the perfect book to start out the new year with because that's exactly what Israel was experiencing. For this generation, they're right on the precipice of the promised land, the borders of the Jordan River. They're about to cross over west into the land God had promised them. None of them have been in that land before except for Joshua and Caleb. Only two of all of those people had been in the promised land before, and they had not been in the promised land for 40 years. A lot changes in 40 years, right? But now God says, I'm leading you in. And here's how good our God was to them and how good he will be to us. He gave them a step-by-step plan of how to move into the new things he had for them. And when they followed it, this is what the book of Joshua tells us. Every time they followed the Lord's plan, it was fine. Every time they made their own plan, it fell apart. That's not just Joshua. That's the Old Testament. That's the whole Bible. That's all of human history. And we live in the exact same reality. So I want to make sure as a church, as individuals, we begin this new year by reminding ourselves we have not been this way before, but that God wants to lead us. So what I want to do is I want us to go to Joshua chapter 3. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, there's blue Bibles in the pews. You can grab one of those. Joshua chapter 3 is on page 333. How about that? Joshua 3. And I just want to read through this chapter together and I want to pull out what I believe are some amazing truths that Israel experienced that the Lord revealed to them because I think they're as applicable to us today and I've put some in your notes there I would encourage you to write these down because I do feel like the best things that happen are not in this room but as you sit down with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God on your own day in and day out and I believe these notes can be kind of fuel for that fire as you get the new year started so let's Read Joshua chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. So early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. And after three days, the officers went through the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you'll know which way to go. Since you've never been this way before, would you underline that second part of verse 4? Why why is God giving these specific plans to Israel? Since you have never been this way before. 
but keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. So, Israelites are right up against the Jordan River. God starts to lay out the plans. He says, I want you to follow the ark. Now, if you're not familiar with the Old Testament, the ark was a wood box that God had uh, given a design for to the leadership of Israel, specifically Moses. He commanded him to have it built and to overlay it with gold. And it was beautiful. It was ornate. It was well done. And then it had these amazing angels uh, that were on top of the cover. And inside the Ark of the Covenant, they placed all kinds of, uh, of things that were markers of God leading them in the wilderness. Things like the pieces of the Ten Commandments that Moses broke. They had Aaron's uh, rod in there where he led people with it. They had uh, a jar of manna in there where God had provided for them to eat. There were all kinds of things that they placed inside the Ark. And once they put the cover on, no one was allowed to touch it. And here's why. Because what they believed was that God literally physically sat on top of the ark. That he hovered over the ark spiritually. And so the only people who were allowed to go near the ark and to touch the ark were the Levites. And the only way they could do that, the only way the priests could do that, was the gold box had these, these, these rings on each corner. And they were to take these long poles and fish it through the rings and then they would take one Levite on each corner, and they would carry the ark wherever it went. And Israel got to see the ark. They got to see the Lord physically with them. And when they made camp, God gave them instructions about how to create this kind of tent structure that they called the tabernacle, and it kind of hid the ark so that people could not go near it and, 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 be, and be struck down. Because at this point, to touch the ark, God would just strike you down for that, for approaching him in an unholy way. So they, they carried for now 40 years, they've carried this ark, and now it's right up to the Jordan River, and God says, listen, the Levites are going to take the ark, they're going to lead you forward, you follow the ark, and you do everything that I say. So just a few things, just out of those first couple verses, that I want you to see here. If we want to understand the way forward for us as individuals, as a church, if we want to understand the way forward, the first thing is this, the Lord goes before us. The Lord goes before us. He goes before you. We have to wake up to this reality. There has never been a moment in time in all of human history. There has never been a place in human history. There never will be that God is not physically present in a present sense. God is actively present in every aspect of human history and in every place. For him, it's now. It's all now. For yesterday, for me, was yesterday. I can't experience yesterday again. Tomorrow is tomorrow for me. I can't experience tomorrow until tomorrow. But for God, he's experiencing tomorrow right now. He's experiencing yesterday right now. He's experiencing my yesterday right now and your tomorrow right now and all of your tomorrows and all of our yesterdays. He's experiencing all that right now because he's God. Because he's God. Time is a train. You have to ride on a certain seat on the train. You can't move on a train. But God doesn't just ride the train. He's over the train. He built the train. And when he's finished, he's going to break the train down. He's going to say, that's enough, no more time, and we're going to have eternity. And because that's the case, here's the promise you have. God has gone before you. No matter what you're going to face, when you leave this place at 2 o'clock today, 2 o'clock tomorrow, 2 o'clock this morning, no matter what you're going to face, God is already there. He has gone before you. And if your God has gone first, you have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear. Because when your God goes first, He clears the path for you. 
He clears the path. He straightens out roads. He breaks down mountains. He lifts up valleys. He removes obstacles. And when you get obstacles that he doesn't remove, he either tells you to wait or he gives you a way to dig under it. He gives you a way to jump over or walk around it. He makes a way for you. He has gone before you. He did that for Israel. In fact, I want to encourage you to go back today, and I want you to read chapter 2 of Joshua. We won't take the time to do that. But it's the story of Joshua sending out two spies across the river before they cross just to scout out the land. He says, I especially want you to go to Jericho because we can see this huge city right over the, right over the river. We see that big city. We want you to especially scout that out. They go there. They sneak into the city. They go to a prostitute's house. And when they gather there, she says, you're the ones we've been afraid of. Huh? What are you talking about? They're like, we, we've heard about what your God did. We heard about your God drying up the Red Sea and, and you crossing over. That was 40 years ago. And she said, we heard, we heard about that. Your God dried up the Red Sea. And then we heard about you, you guys taking down Og, king of Bashan, and, and these other kings, and Sihon, and all these guys. We heard about what you did to all those kings. And listen, we're terrified of you. We know God has given this city into your hands. So she says, how can I be saved? What do I do? And they're like, this is incredible. God's already, he's already crossed the river. He's gone to this huge city that's got this closed walls, and he's made these people terrified of us, and we haven't even crossed the river yet. And you know what? Rahab has faith, right? A model of faith. That's what the New Testament says about this prostitute. Get that. A model of faith. She hides the spies. She believes them. She believes that if her and her family will stay in her house, that when Jericho is destroyed, which it was, that her and her family would be protected. And you know, she brought everyone into her house. She took a scarlet thread. She hung it in her window. A beautiful picture of the blood of Jesus over someone's house, right? So that when destruction came, her and her family were saved. And do you know when the walls fell, when the city was destroyed, those two spies went to her house, which was standing and led her and her family out, and they became part of Israel. Not only part of Israel, Rahab enters into the line, get this, of King David, who enters into the line of Jesus, Rahab, a woman of faith who was a prostitute. God brings her into the people of faith and uses amazing things through her. That's our God going before you, right? Listen, that's our God going before you. He did it for Israel. He's going ahead of you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Number two, not only does the Lord go before us, but the leadership follows his lead. The leadership follows his lead. I hope that you believe this about our staff, our deacons, and our elders. I hope that you believe this. Uh, we don't just sit in a room and come up with grand schemes. We're not really that smart. We're not really that experienced. We really seek the Lord together. We ask the Lord what he wants, and we do our best. We're not perfect, but we do our best to obey him and to lead you to places, sometimes that are not comfortable for you. And believe me, if they're not comfortable for you, they're really not comfortable for us because we have to lead you there. 
And there are things in our vision and our mission which we, we share with you again and again. You can open up your bulletin. It's right there at the top. The vision and mission God has for us. There are places he's calling us to go. I absolutely believe it, where he wants us to lead you. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm scared to death because I know me, I know my abilities, but I am utterly confident in our God. I'm utterly confident in our God. And I believe not only is he going to go before us, but it's our responsibility as leadership to follow where he leads, not where we want to go, but to go where he leads us. We follow him. Just like the, the leaders said, listen, tomorrow you're going to see the Levites and they're going to grab the ark and the ark is going to go forward. And then the priests are going to go. You follow the priest. Where the leaders go, you go. You follow. So God intended. Now, that's a huge responsibility. Elders, listen to me. Deacons, listen to me. Staff, listen to me. That's an incredible responsibility. It's an incredible responsibility. It makes me tremble sometimes to think of it. I see report after report, story after story of men and women who have decided to go their own way and to make a name for themselves instead of their God and to build their kingdom instead of the kingdom. And they have fallen, and they have broken churches and ministries, and they have left people in the wreckage. Leaders, we can't follow our own mind, our own heart, our own great ideas. No, we follow the Lord. We follow the Word. We follow the Holy Spirit. And if we made a plan to go this way, and he says, no, I got another plan, we have to follow that. Just like we had a great plan for Easter two years ago. We had a really great plan for Easter. But Easter Sunday, I was preaching on a 10-foot wood platform on the back of a wagon in our parking lot. It was fun. I don't like heights, but it was fun. And we did that for I don't know how many months. It's imperative, leaders, listen to me, as we start the new year. We've got to follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Number three, the third way forward is we got to give him space to work. It's very interesting to me. The leaders said, "Listen, the ark's going to go forward. The priests are going to go, and I want you to leave some space between the ark and between you. Leave some space." Now they were okay with that because they had seen people struck down when they touched the ark. They were okay with that. But listen to how much space this is. Look at this. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits. Now, my little footnote here at the bottom says a cubit in English is 3,000 feet. That's a lot of distance. I mean, in a flat land, I mean, the, the ark is way down the path there. And God says, keep some distance. So they go, and the people wait. And I just want to say this for some of us, especially when we struggle with control in our life. Listen to us. Listen to your pastor. The reason the Lord keeps hindering what you're trying to do is because you won't give him space. Because you keep trying to fix things. You keep trying to solve things. You keep trying to take things in, in your hands. And he's like, listen, if you're not going to give me space, you can have it. You got it. You know, you know how to run your world. Go for it. But then he says, listen, if you'll just give me space, I know what I'm doing. I was doing it before you were born. I'm going to be doing it after you're gone. 
I know what I'm doing. Give me space. We have to give the Lord space. Here's what space does. It gives the Lord the ability to go before us, to change hearts, to prepare places, to cast vision, to move in people, to marshal resources. God doesn't need time because he's the God of all time. He could do whatever he wants, whatever he wants. But it gives him space to work in our community. And while he is going before us, and while we are waiting and giving him space, it gives us chance to focus on him, hear his heart, and wait on him to provide for us. We've got to give him space. Give him space. It's hard to, it's weird to say be patient with God. Isn't that weird to say that? God, God has to be patient with us. But for many of us, we have to learn how to be patient with him and what he's doing. Give him space. Now look at verse 5. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. The way forward, number four, is to consecrate ourselves for the mission. Consecrate means this. Fresh start. Cleanse out the old. Pursue holiness instead of sinfulness. To leave old habits behind. Old ways of thinking behind. Dedicate ourselves to our God. Dedicate ourselves to his kingdom. Dedicate ourselves to the movement of his kingdom. Leave behind the petty things that draw our attention here, there, and yonder. Take the mistakes of 2021 and leave them in 2021. This is 2022, baby. Let's move on. Let's consecrate ourselves. Let's choose to be holy. Let's choose to fear our God and not man. Let's choose to fear our God and not politicians. Let's choose to fear our God and not our media. Let's choose to fear our God and not COVID-19. Let's choose to fear our God or choose to be holy, to, to set aside that which dishonors him, to get into the word, to worship him, to dedicate ourselves to the things of God, to the people of God. Let's consecrate ourselves. That's what Joshua said for the Israelites to do before they crossed over. Why? Why did they have to consecrate themselves? What was the mistake their forefathers made? They didn't obey. They didn't choose to be holy when their God said cross over. And so they wandered for 40 years. He said, listen, you can't do that. This is a new thing. I'm taking you to a new place. It is beyond your abilities. You've got to consecrate yourself for what God wants you to do. Listen to your pastor. Listen to your pastor. Your current level of holiness and your current level of obedience is not enough to take you to the new places God has for you. Listen to me. Pastor Matt, 2021 was, was my greatest year of growth as a believer I've ever had. Praise God for that. It's not enough. Because God has new things for you. He has new places he wants you to go. New things he wants to teach you. New things he wants to show you. New things he wants to do through you. Your current level of holiness and obedience will keep you right where you are. That may be pretty good. It may be terrible. But listen, we have to consecrate ourselves. The current level of obedience and holiness for you is not enough to take you where God wants you to go. He has a Jordan for you to cross. He has new things for you to enter into. But before he parts the sea, he says this, consecrate yourself. So I want to challenge you. Not New Year's resolutions. No. I'm not asking you to add one more thing to your list. I know you're already going to work out every day. I know. You're going to work out every day. I know. You're going to spend less time on social media. I know. I know you are. I know you're going to uh, eat better. I know you're going to spend less money. 
You're going to save more. I know you're going to do all that. I'm not asking you to do more. I'm asking you to do less. Take less off your life. Take the things off your life and shed them that dishonor the Lord. Shed habits that dishonor the Lord. Don't start doing something else. Press into him. Say, I'm going to set aside this pettiness. I'm going to set aside this gossip. I'm going to set aside this anger. I'm going to set aside this distractedness, this wasting of time. I'm going to set it aside. I'm going to consecrate myself for the Lord. And I can't tell you what you need to do. The Holy Spirit's really good at that, though. If you'll sit down with him, I promise you, he will put his finger on what you individually need to do. I can't prescribe that for you. But I can prescribe for you to sit in his presence and let him speak to you. Now, not only that, I want you to pick up in verse 6. So far, the Lord's gone ahead. The leadership's followed. They gave him space. They consecrated themselves. Look at verse 6. Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I'll begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so that they may know that I'm with you as I was with Moses. So tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, When you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. So Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you'll know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and Perizzites and Gilgashites and Amorites and Jebusites. He's going to get them all. And see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe, And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set their foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and will stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Once they had consecrated themselves, they obeyed what was commanded. Joshua said, The Lord speaks. Do this. Tell the priests to go first. Tell them to put their feet in the water. When you see the priests move, then you break camp and you go. They obeyed. I want to say something to you. If you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, don't go buy another Bible. Don't go get another devotional book. Don't go purchase another iTunes worship CD. Don't go download another subscription to your favorite preacher. Here's the greatest thing that can help you grow in your relationship with the Lord. You ready? Start obeying Him. Keep obeying Him. Obey Him once when He shows you something else. Obey Him again when He shows you the third thing. Obey Him again. We don't need more resources. I promise you, you have as many resources as you can possibly obey the Lord with right now. I promise you, you do. What we need is more obedience. I need more obedience. As a church, we need more obedience. As a nation, we need more obedience. We need more obedience. They obeyed what was commanded them. Then look at verse 15. Let's finish this chapter. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away. 
at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarephan. And while the water was flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, it was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground, and all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed crossing on dry ground. Number six, when we obey, the Lord makes provision. But not just provision, miraculous provision. Miraculous provision. Provision that you can't make on your own. Provision that you can't make on your own. Some of you are learning your resources are not enough. You need not just provision, you need miraculous provision. That's our God. Let him lead you. Obey him and see his miraculous provision for you. He made water stand up further upstream, and then by the time they got down to where they were, they walked across on dry land. Listen to me. Does that sound familiar in, in Israel's history? Does it sound familiar? Yeah, it's what their ancestors did 40 years before. And here's what's hard about it. We look at that, and we're like, well, that's not really the same kind of awesome miracle like uh, he did with the Red Sea. I mean, Red Sea, remember, he, he kind of stacked it up on both sides, and then they all went through, and then he dropped it on Pharaoh and all the chariots, and he killed all them. And this is just kind of like holding back the river. And, you know, but listen, we get so caught up in what God has done for other people that we don't take time to recognize the miraculous provision that God has made for us. We don't learn contentment, and we don't say, Lord, you're making a way. It's not a way like you made for the Turners or for the Waltons or whatever else, but you've made a way. And, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to obey you in this. And you know what was funny? The generation that had the amazing miracle is the one that wandered in disobedience for 40 years. The generation that had the smaller miracle is the one that was faithful and took the land. Which generation do you want to be a part of? The one that has all the bells and whistles or the ones that are faithful? I want to be part of the ones that, that's faithful. I want to be part of the ones that's faithful. we got a great budget here. I can come up with a lot of bells and whistles to put up here. I can come up with a lot of bells and whistles on our website and in our ministry. I, we can do it. It's easy to do. You just got to go on the internet. I, I can find the website that show you how to do it. I don't want bells and whistles. I want to be faithful. I want you to be faithful. And if God wants to part Red Seas, I want to walk through them. If he wants to back up rivers, I want to walk through this. I just want to be faithful. I want to be faithful. This generation was faithful. You know what they did? They took the land. It took 100 years. It took 100 years. But they took the land because they were faithful. I want us to be faithful. Chapter 4. Verses 1 through 7. And there's only seven verses in this, so just hang on. I know you were like, we're hitting chapter 4 now. Seven more verses. Hang with me. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites and one from each tribe, and he said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan, and each of you take up a stone on his shoulder. 
get this, stones they would have had never had access to before and would never have access to again. I want you to think about that. It was a moment in time that could not be duplicated. And look at what he says. Remember it. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. And in the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? You tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel together. You know, why didn't God tell them to take stones out of the middle of the Red Sea? Why didn't he say, take stones out of the middle of the Red Sea and, and memorialize this great day? You know why? They weren't supposed to be in that land. They were supposed to be passing through. But they were disobedient. So God taught them songs to remember the Red Sea, but he told the Israelites, remember the crossing of the Jordan in obedience. So when God does these things, we have to refuse to forget what he's done. We have to refuse to forget what he's done. Listen, as a pastor, I refuse to forget that men and women stepped out on a limb almost 40 years ago. They obeyed the Lord and they planted this church. I refuse to forget that great men of God, like Perry Mobley and Brian Slater, and, and all, all these wonderful men of God, and staff members and staff women that God brought through this church over the last 40 years, that they have led us in a way that we're here. That we're here. I will not forget that he has made financial provision for us again and again and again and again. I will not forget how he's healed you. I've not forgotten how he has saved some of your families, how some of you have come to faith, how some of you were far away from Jesus. And the Lord brought you here and brought you to salvation. I will not forget those things. We can't either. But you know what else? I'm not going to forget. I'm not going to forget 2020. And I'm not going to forget 2020 because it was a terrible year according to the media or according to the historians. Listen, it was an amazing year at Trinity. It was a year in which the Lord taught us to risk and to innovate and to try things. And you know what? You backed us. Thank you for that. I mean, it's not like you had a choice. If you wanted to come to church, we were in the parking lot. I mean, you, got, you just got to deal with it. But, but, you know, you backed us, and because of that, we were able to, to try new things. We, we can stream our services now. That, that came out of the pandemic. There are, are people who are members of Trinity now because the Lord brought them here during the pandemic. I'm not going to forget those things. I'm not going to forget 2021, which, by the way, in all the financial chaos and all the terrible things that are going on in our culture, do you know we finished 2020 like $30,000 to the good? That's when we finished 2020. And I'm not going to forget 2021. Was it hard? Yeah, it was hard. It was a hard year. We, we lost Joyce last year. It was hard. It's been, a hard, it's been a hard transition. We lost people in our community. have been pillars here for a long time. We, it's been a lot of shift. A lot of hard things have gone on, but a lot of great things have gone on. 
You know, it took us a full year to pray and to think and to plan and to talk and to research and to dream about a vision and a mission. And it really didn't come together until like the middle of the summer. And then we really didn't get underway till like September. But I'm already seeing fruit from that. I'm already seeing things spring up from that. Two weeks ago, we, we had our, our first shot at uniting generations. I mean, not generations, cultures. We brought families we brought people who God has brought from other countries to teach in our school systems in this county and in counties around us. And we invite them out just to have a meal and to say, we love you. We know you're away from home in the holidays. And here what was amazing, we had a multi-purpose kitchen full, uh, I mean full of people from Venezuela and Honduras and India and Israel and Puerto Rico, like from all over the place. And they kept saying the same thing. We, we asked them to introduce themselves and they would just stand up and then they would just talk about, they would just talk about the impact that Annette and the international ministry and Trinity had had on them since they've been here. And they said, you make us feel at home. You make us feel at home. That's the first fruits of uniting cultures. It's just going to build from there. I sat in a room I was so blessed. We had our first meeting of uniting generations. And I'm thinking, you know, we're going to open this up. Whoever wants to come can come. And I'm thinking, man, four or five people are going to be here. It was like 17 or 18 people. And here's what blessed me. We had 80-year-olds and we had 19-year-olds. All getting together to say, I want to see our generations united. What can we do? And we prayed and we thought and we planned. And, and we haven't made any, any great ideas yet, we're, but we're going to keep meeting and praying and planning. Those first fruits are here. I, I don't forget that God has brought us new members. They brought us new families. They brought us new cultures. He's brought us finances. The, the finances are looking good. We're, we're not ready to tell you, but it's looking good. The Lord took care of us in 2021. Took care of us in 2021. We can't forget. We have to honor what he's done. But we can't let it be a noose around our neck either. We have to move into the new things that God has for us. We honor the past and we use it as a building block into the future. We cross the Jordan. We say, praise God for Moses in the Red Sea. But now it's time to take the land. Listen, we're here for a reason. Listen to me. You're sitting on 30 acres of land. 30 acres of land. When we bought this land, we paid $600,000 for it. Good luck getting two acres of land for $600,000 on this side of town now. That was the Lord going before us. And all of a sudden, isn't it weird, in the last 15 years since we moved onto this land, this has become the growth part of Florence with a new fire department basically in our sanctuary with a brand new neighborhood that now encircles us where it was woods. Literally, 18 months ago, 24 months ago, it was woods. I mean, the Lord knew what he was doing and putting us here. This is our land. I think he's given it to us. I don't think it's a mistake. I think it's taken time, but we're here. We got to take it. Not for our glory. For his glory, we got to take it. Listen, if we won't do it, somebody else will. Somebody else will, because Jesus is faithful even when we're faithless. But I want it to be us. So I'm going to give us the last verse. Where did my Bible go? 
Second Chronicles. Flip to the right. Second Chronicles chapter 30. If I could give us one verse that as elders and deacons and staff we could memorize and hold heart, close to our heart this year. And as a congregation, we could wrap our mind around and this will be said of us as a church. This will be the verse. Listen to this verse. Second Chronicles chapter 30. Also in Judah, the hand of God was on the people. You see that? The hand of God was on you to give them unity of mind to carry out what the king and his officials had ordered, following the word of the Lord. The hand of the Lord was on the people to give unity. In this day and age, that's going to be a miracle. The hand of the Lord was on the people to give unity, to follow the leadership as they follow the word of the Lord. I think we're unstoppable if we can do that. Not because we're awesome, but because our God is. Our praise team is going to come. They're going to lead us in a final song, and we're going to sing together. We're going to sing, and we're going to praise our God. And we're going to consecrate ourselves, and we're going to make choices about what this year is going to be. And we're going to choose to cross the Jordan, to obey Him, and to listen to Him, and move forward. And I believe this is not just the beginning of a new year. I believe it's the beginning of a new era for us at Trinity to build on the amazing things God has already done. I think the best is still to come for us. Let's stand together and worship and honor Him in any way that we need to now.